Thank you, thank you, thank you, Janet Lee. That was just absolutely spiritual. I love it. And hello, everybody out there. Well, we begin a journey, a journey about angels. And by the time we have finished this series, you will have been made into a different kind of mind because this series is the opening of the minds of the people. And I have a lot of scripture to read, so I don't know how far we can get with this subject, but I have a lot of things to share with you about the future too, but we'll introduce that as we can. You remember uh, in the last series that I did, Interpretation of the Lost Book of the Wars of the God, I describe how that um, Moses has this meeting at the burning bush. And we describe what the burning bush really is. It's, it's like a zith. It's like a vehicle that has escorted uh, Christ. And, uh, and uh, it is uh, from, um, you know, uh, the Father's house, from outer space. And we'll touch on some scriptures and so forth. And how that um, the angel of the Lord began to converse with Moses. And this went on and on and on for some period of time. And the amount of information that was put into his mind was just absolutely, you know, like volumes. You know, like volumes and volumes. And um, <clears throat> I know uh, at the time there probably were people who thought that there could be no Bible for anything like that. Uh, I didn't in the series, and I won't in this next series I'm getting into, have the time to give you all the scripture, but over a course of teaching, I will share it with you. So I want you to turn with me to your in your Bibles, if you have it handy, to Deuteronomy 5.31. And um, this area here in the fifth chapter tells a story about how that um, in, in um, verse 22, it talks about the words of the Lord that were, that were spoken unto the assembly in the mount out of the midst of the fire of the cloud and of the thick darkness. And a great voice, he added, with a great voice, he added no more. And um, it tells how that uh, this this voice came out of the midst of the darkness, and it spoke, and, and, and uh, you know, in the verse 24th verse, it said, The Lord God has shown us his glory, his greatness. We have heard his voice out of the, out of the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that God doth, doth talk with man, and he liveth. They expected that if they heard the voice of God, and this, of course, was... Yahweh-el, or Yahweh, as other people translate it. And, um, and, and uh, he was representing the invisible God, being manifested in a physical body that could be seen and could be heard. And um, it goes on to say that the people just were full of terror and fear. 
And they eventually approached Moses and said, you do the talking with, with this voice of God. We're, we're fearful. And, and, and whatever he tells you, then we will, we will do whatever he tells you that we should do. And so then uh, Yahweh accepted their word and said that was a good decision. Then he spoke to Moses and he said, have them go and get into their tents. But as for you, now this is in verse 31, chapter 5 of Deuteronomy, verse 31. But as for thee, stand thou here by me. I will speak unto thee all, A-L, the commandments and the statutes and the judgments, all of the commandments, all of the statutes, all of the judgments, which you are to teach, that they may do them in the land which I give them to possess. So here then is confirmation. How that God, through Jesus Christ as Yahweh, or Yahweh, was able to convey to a singular person and put into that person's brain and, and, and mind this incredulous amount of information. When you read it in the, in the Torah, in the five books of Moses, it goes on and on and on and on and on. It's, it's voluminous. And yet, he said, stand here by me and I will put all of this tell you all of this. In other words, I'll put this all into your mind. So here is substantial Bible evidence. It's a forensic proof that God works that way. He works this way in being able to put things into densities so that those densities can be unlocked and keep that word lock in mind because we're going to be getting into that here in a little bit. So that they can be unlocked, and as they are unlocked, this knowledge that has been put in can begin to unfold. That is an absolutely essential revelation. Deuteronomy 5.31. Okay, so we are going to look at this from another scripture that Jesus taught from the from the Bible or for the Bible, and it is a a very very interesting uh, scripture. Um, but let's first <clears throat> turn in the New Testament to the Gospel of John, and let's look at uh, John five, and we'll be reading from verse twenty five. Verily, verily, I say unto you. Now we're in the Gospel of John, verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 25. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. Now the importance of being able to discern and to differentiate from the voice of the Lord and the voice of the satanic forces 
It's the difference of overcoming. It's the difference of living and being able to, to continue with that life on an, uh, an, etern an eternal basis with the joy and the peace that that particular life offers of quality. So the Bible says the hour is coming, and that is true because the hour is always coming. But at the same time that the hour is always coming, the hour is also now. So for all of those people who have not come into hearing this voice, the hour is coming. And for some of you, you have come to the threshold and the door, which is the way, which is the path of knowledge, is opening to you. And you will have this incredulous opportunity to hear the voice because the voice is going to reveal today a word in a way that many of you have never heard anything like it. I say there are some people that have heard some of this because I have, I have been teaching now for a lot of years. And I have followers from the School of the Prophet that School of the Prophets that we started many years ago. <clears throat> I did not opt to go out and start a huge congregation and a huge church. I wasn't interested in having thousands of people, although I've spoken to large numbers like that. But I was interested in finding a dedicated, sincere a group of persons. And persons that would be willing to listen and to hear the voice of God. And we called those people that we were training along that order a school of the prophets. So when people say to me, you've been preaching this for over 50 years, I say, yes, I have. Well, how come you know, all these books that you've written are not published, and how come this, and how come that? Well, we kept these revelations secret, and I, I ask all, all the people of the School of the Prophets to not share it with other people, that they were to be taught as agents of the former reign who would then go out and teach the latter reign, and that that day would come. Well, it's been a long time coming, but it is moving into a track, and it is extremely super interesting so listen today people listen for as it says here in the 25th verse verily verily i say unto you the verily is mentioned twice whenever something is is emphasized twice such as that that's like amen amen absolutely absolutely i say to you the hour is coming and now is conjunction and so among those that hear it is still in the process of coming. Among those that are ready, it is in the process of entering into you and enfolding in you this density of magnitude and magnifold word of God. 
and the dead shall hear the voice of the, of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father has, has, hath life in himself, so hath he given the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice, and shall come forth, and they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Wow. Now, let us move on. Turn to the book of the Gospel of Matthew. And turn to the 13th chapter. And this begins to open up something quite deep, quite revelating. Let's start with Matthew 13, verse 31. Another parable put he, and this means Jesus, forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like to the grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. Now, lichen means metaphorical, symbolically. It's an example of. So this little mustard seed is very, very important. It's not just the shadow of things to come. It's not just the glass darkly. It's beyond that. Is something more showing, more revealing. Is something that is capable of being comprehended, but requires consecra consecration to God. Now, this parable is about something that is like Descriptively, the kingdom, the king's domain of heaven. It's not the heaven of heavens, but it's the kingdom of heaven nevertheless. And it's like to a grain of a mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds. But when it is growing, it is the greatest among the herbs, and becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Now, this is very, very important, because there is a double parallel here, one on the positive side and one on the negative side. And I want to show you how that this mustard seed revelation, this little teeny, the smallest of seeds, that it contains in it, in its state of high density, all of the information necessary to grow this, this master herb that becomes like a tree that birds can lodge in. And how that this is a coordinate of revelation to the thing of God speaking to Moses and putting into his brain, into his mind, 
such a a con you know condense such a deep involved volume of revelation but it being enfolded into his mind <clears throat> so that it could unfold as God moved by his spirit so that it would fulfill one day the words that Jesus spoke from out of your innermost being shall flow rivers not river rivers of living waters you have the potential to have within you in this point of high density this punctum knowledge that is so voluminous that there are more aspects of it than there are sands of the sea and stars of the universe. That's why God often took some of his, his people that followed him and loved him, like Abraham Moses, and Moses, Job, David, and revealed to them about the stars so that they could compare like the kingdom of heaven like to this mustard seed concept and understand that this huge unlimited number that could not be counted <clears throat> by mortal comprehension could somehow be understood by the spirit and that there is a fringe between the brain of the mortal person and between the spirit mind in the solar plexus that's connected with the heart and to the brain of the mind of the spirit. And there is that fringe between the physical human brain and the spirit mind. And being able to get into that territory enables you to do what the physical mind alone is not capable of doing or comprehending. But to be able to access, access an arcanum A-R-C-A-N-U-M, arcanum, of information that in the manifest teachings we sometimes call energy dot. An energy dot is an interesting revelation. It has and means a potential for utterances of things from far in the past. Now, that is always interesting about receiving something far from the past because in the light of the Alpha Omega in the book of Revelations, we have that which was, is that which is, and that which is, is that which is to come. And the Bible talks about going into the past going into the ancient things 
to be able to know futuristic things. And so, the energy dot is an incredible revelation, and the mustard seed revelation in the 13th chapter of the book of Matthew, which compares it to a kingdom of heaven revelation, makes it very, very clear of its importance. And it is essentially awesome for a person to be aware that that particular revelation of the 13th chapter of Matthew, beginning with the 31st verse, precedes by just a few scriptures the revelation in the 37th verse and we were reading from the 31st but in the 37th verse where it says he, he that soweth the good seed is the son of man the field is the world the good seed are the children of the kingdom but the tares T-A-R-E-S are the children of the wicked one the enemy that sowed them that sowed them is the devil the end of the world and the uh, the uh, the harvest is the end of the world and the reapers are the angels and in the 41st verse the son of man shall send forth his angels angels are so important the knowledge about angels is essential. Now, what a lot of people are not aware of is that there is something similar that has been done by, by Jesus Christ. And when a person you know, gets into that revelation, it is just one of the most outstanding, incredible things that can be imagined. In the 37th chapter of the book of Job, and the seventh verse, it says, He sealeth up the hand of every man, that all men may know his work. That is nothing to take lightly. He sealeth up. So God has done something. And the word hand doesn't necessarily mean this physical part of your body with five fingers. Because we're into symbolism here. Just like the five fingers can represent apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, the apostolic ministry. But it is beyond that. He sealeth up the hand in every man. Now in the MIV, which is the Manifest Peace Bible translation, it takes that, verse 7, he sealeth up the hand of every man that all men may know his work. There's something about the sealing. There's something about putting something in you and it's sealed in you. 
and it can only be opened by the Spirit of God. It can only be known by the revelation of God. It can only be known unto those who God is saying, all right, you're ready. Come on through the door. And here is the MIV of Job 37.7. God sets a fusion in the chromosomes of mortals so that they may depart from being beasts and become entities of a higher consciousness. Wow. You see, in the book of the Gospel of John, I've read this to you many times, in the book of the Gospel of John, it says, and this is so, so beautiful, And this is about, in chapter 1, verse 9, talking about um, John the Baptist, verse 8. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That He was to bear witness of that light that was the true light, which lighteth, Every man that cometh into the world, every person that is born on this planet, every person that comes into the world, there is this light of God from Christ the Lord that is put into them. But it's sealed. But nevertheless, it's in your chromosomes. It's in your atoms. It's in your molecules. And it's been sowed in there by Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ isn't going to just allow Lucifer Satan to put into your body this potentiation of the tares and then there'd be nothing else in your human body that has an aspect for deliverance and a potential for overcoming. So when the Lord says, I am the son of man, I'm sowing the good seed, it's the devil that is sowing the bad seed. And this seed is in you, and it's like a mustard seed, which is like about the kingdom of, of heaven. And it's something so small and such density that it's in the chromosomes, it's, <laughs> it's in the body, and it has the potential to come forth, and it has the potential of, of knowledge. People say to me, I don't know what it is. But I feel like I existed before. I feel that I came from the stars. Of course you did. The book of Job tells us that. It asks you that very question. And it is, it is so beautiful. I will just take the moment, you know, to, to, to read it in Job 38. You know, verse 4, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if you have understanding. Dis declare if your, energy, if your energy dot is working. Declare if you can open the seal, if God has, has opened it in your life, has opened the door, has given you the keys to the kingdom. Declare it. Because you can, you know, once you... You have been unfolded. Once you've been able to get into this, it's in you. And 
when Jesus says the kingdom of God comes without observation, because the kingdom of God is within you, he's talking about the seal that he has put in every, the hand of every, every human, every person. He's talking about this, this potentiation for the soul and the salvation of, of the spirit of these mortals. And in the 21st verse of the 38th, it says, Thou knowest it, because thou wast then born, or because the number of thy days is great. Well, in most of the other Bibles, it doesn't put a question mark in there. It says, you know, you know, because you were born then. And the numbers of your days are, are, are many, are great. It's Bible. Ladies and gentlemen, I am ministering to you Bible. I am speaking to you, you the, the word of God. And when I was reading to you this thing in uh, the 13th chapter of Matthew, we mustn't leave out one of the very, very important aspect that goes along with this whole thing in, in, in chapter 13, verse uh, uh, 31, where he speaks about the kingdom of heaven is likened to the grain of a mustard seed. Because just a, a few verses away, in verse 34, it says, All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables, and without a parable spake he not unto them. It was so important to implant these things that he could not describe to everyone. The Bible says, unto them or unto you, unto you it was given to know, but unto them it was not given to know. There's the group of those people that, that the coming of things, the coming of things is a process. And there's the group of people that it is now. It is now. Perhaps this is your time, ladies and gentlemen. Perhaps this is your time of the now. These things have been in you. You felt them. The unctions have touched you. You have felt at moments some inner anointing. And this incredible revelation of time is speaking to you. It's the living waters. And they are healing. And they are enlightening. And there is nothing less, nothing less than exciting about this. God wants to open the world of your mind. There are mindscapes that are full of legacies that are so exciting because these energy dots, they hold the vast historical records of content about every world that has ever existed. Every universe that has ever existed is contained in the density points of those energy dots. And there is sealed within you 
a potentiation that is so full of the, the glory of the knowledge of God. It is pure victory. It is shining of the stars of God. We're going to get into some interesting things here. We want to show you that when an, the actual context of the scriptures are specific, that they can become a testimonial, which would be equal to a written affidavit. And how that there is then, therefore, proof available to us. For the scripture says, prove all things. And we have the ability to do that because of these written affidavits in the form of scriptural testimonies. They are absolutely something that God is opening up so that the knowledge of, of the Lord can fulfill 1 Thessalonians 5.21, prove all things. And this can be done with forensic evidence from the Word of God and from the signs and wonders of God and from the opening of the living rivers from within. We're going to get into some interesting things here. But right now, Janet Lee is going to come while we take a short break and play the organ for five minutes. God bless you.
All right, here we go. Oh, we have such a journey here. I want to read something from the the Seven Thunders Speak Manifest Chronicles Before Genesis. This is actually one of the chapters of the Holy Manifest. And there are seven chapters of the Holy Manifest, plus a chapter in there called the Towers, the 17 Towers. And the whole book is just incredible. Pray to God that one day we will be able to make it available. But even this book here, this one chapter, called The Seven Thunders, is awesome. And I want to read from that on page 265, just right at the bottom and take one word or two words, when you, and then we're on page 266, are told of the path you think of travel. But the true path is not travel. It is power of event and power of change. When you with desire search, the impact of event will come to you. And when the change occurs, you will see what you have not seen before. You will hear what you have not heard before. <clears throat> you cannot immigrate to heaven. Only heavenly things can abide there. To become heavenly, you will change to become unborn terrestrially. And in that same happening, you will become born spiritually. When you become, when you become first domain heavenly, you will have a spirit angel body instead of a physical angel body. You will not be able to mix into the terrene, but imaginatively, for very short spans of time. As an angel, to mix for longer periods in the physical realm, you will need to exit the first domain and take a terrene body capable of operating in matter for extended periods of time. Now this is important for people to understand that when the, the angels leave the, the pure energy love of the first domain, domain come from the word kingdom, Dumb being an abbreviation of domain, king's domain, kingdom of heaven, domain. So the first domain is the heaven of heavens. So um, at, at some point then, when you have to go on a, on a mission, and, uh, and what it is saying here is that uh, <clears throat> you will then need to take uh, a terrene body capable of operating in matter for extended periods of time. This can be accomplished by transfiguration. No angel will want to lose Un's mental span, which can happen if an angel directly enters matter for too long a time and does not have a, a spiritual guidance. Although some teachers may say heavenly beings uh, heavenly beings can abide endlessly in the terrain. That is only true in a certain sense, specifically in a lesser capability of mind or by the phototransitional or phototranslational appearances. If you are in the terrain and you experience heavenly beings, generally, generally you are seeing their phototransitioned appearance, but they are abiding in another dimension. 
When an angel photo translates to a physical body, that angel is actually present physically in a transfiguration. This is used only for short visits. There are always exceptions, of course. For instance, in the process of transfiguration, the angel's resonance is made correspondent to exceptionally high physical accelerations. Now, um, instead of using uh, acceleration, this puts two words together, the word excellent and acceleration. And so you get accelerations. The consequence is a body that looks and feels like a body latitude from matter, but is a physical body, body that through transfiguration has been made periated. Periation is a creation method that uses cells that are borderline antimatter. Consequently, they are present um, compatible to matter or antimatter worlds. <clears throat> when angels <clears throat> ministering to a, universe, to a universe take such a body, they are often described as the beautiful people. Excuse me. <clears throat> All right. Understand evil angels also use transfiguration for long periods of physical incarnation unless they are specifically bound from doing so. But because of their low spiritual demeanor, their body transformations do not have the radiant beauty of the good angels. Having low spiritual demeanor and, and having become dissolved to the extent of having lost one's high spiritual accelerations even affects physical transfigurements. Now, as to achieving the purpose of life, there are many ways of potential. However, most ways need a collective unity to even approach understanding how to achieve the purpose for life. That which makes the greatest impact and is the most vital to understanding these ways is a personal acquaintance by communication with the, with the Sima or the Shima uh, through meditation and prayer. The meditation for enlightenment is what the vital emphasis that can underline all other ways and practices and give power. Only by meditative consciousness and prayer does one discover the Shema. In spiritual infinity, the Shema means one, for there is only one I am invisible ultimate God. <clears throat> but in the physical infinity, the Shima world is a manifold Holy Spirit Shima oneness. So this is very, very important. <coughs> Excuse me. Sometimes there is a word, like this word Shima is a Hebrew word. And uh, the Jews try to explain this of there only being one God. Uh, but, but, you know, um, uh, they don't understand how that there are two infinities. There is the spirit infinity, and there is the physical world infinity. Now, infinity doesn't mean that the, 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 that the continuum of, of that physical infinity always stays in the figuration of like a universe. But the Bible shows us that, that, that the whole universe at some time, sooner or later, will go into a collapse. 
and that all the stars will come together and, and roll up as a scroll, but that in another great span of eternities, that the heavens uh, that are into this scroll, the, the matter that is into this incredible density, will be unfurled. And the Bible says in several places, there's at least five or six places that it mentions about God stretching out the heavens. And so we have then a continuum of there being physical things, but in, in various states, the universal state, the, the uh, density state. Uh, that is not true in the first domain, the heaven of heavens. Uh, it is always a, in a period form of, of this pure love. There are different aspects of getting into the deeper and deeper aspects of the first domain, the heaven of heavens, uh, because you go through the... <coughs> Uh, into the fringe, and then from the fringe, uh, you enter through uh, these uh, particular kinds of um, of portals, so to speak. But that's another day and another subject. Uh, okay, so I was reading from the Seventh Thunder Speak. <coughs> Manifest Chronicles before Genesis. The, uh, you know, and and if you don't have that book, uh, I I don't know how anyone that wants to get ahead with the spiritual things would not want to somehow have a copy of that book. And I'm not saying that to try to sell the book. Uh, I rarely ever mention it, as you know. But uh, now that we're on this subject that is so deep, uh, you know, you should have that book because there is no other book like it in the world. There's a lot of books that are like other books, but this book is not like any other book. And uh, it's well... Uh, for any of you people to, to, to get that. Okay, now, let's let's get into this, because we're on the subject of angels, but in order to really understand the thing of angels, we have to come at it from a lot of different angles. And and there is a, a, a frequent use of a, of a term in the Bible, and it's called host, or hosts. So it's H-O-S-T uh, or H-O-S-T-S. And uh, it talks about the Lord of hosts. Now, you will have people in the uh, traditional mentality uh, that, that, uh, who are Christians that religiously, though, in their traditional way of looking at it, they think of the host being like the host of Israel and uh, the host of the different nations. And that does have application. And they think of it as being the host of the stars. And that does have application. But where they make an error is when they do not understand that it also refers to the host of angels. And there are these different hosts that are under different archangel leaders. So there is a beautiful description of this. Um, in Isaiah 6.3, it says, talks about holy, 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 the Lord of hosts. But I want to read to you from the book of Luke, because there is something very revealing about the host in the book of Luke, and it really gives you a substantiation of proof of, of, of this other uh, deeper meaning as it refers to, to, to hosts being angels. Like, for instance, um, let's, um, 
let's let's go all the way to um to to the the, the first chapter and um let's um uh let, let's consider an event and let's consider uh this event which we find in uh, chapter 1 verse 26 and in the 6th month the angel gabriel g a b r i e l was sent from god into the city of galilee named nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was joseph of the house of david and the virgin's name was mary and the angel came in and said unto her hail thou art highly favored the lord is with thee blessed art thou among among women now keeping this thing about understanding that when things are given in a story say like in a series of verses or in a in a chapter or in a series of chapters and remem- remembering that the original hebrew and the original greek were not written with punctuation they didn't have commas and periods they didn't have uh separation of what they call chapters they were just a continuous written in the scroll word so so uh don't try to get into this thing where you say oh well that's in a totally different chapter that would be an absolutely false assumption because that chapter is a man-made thing and it was not in the original framework of of the scriptures the scriptures were one continuous flow they were a river of god and there was no dams in there made by chapter one chapter two chapter three now there is a convenience that that does offer and so we live with that but we must never live with it to such a point that it becomes a concrete barrier separating the con contextual aspect the contextual aspect of the holy spirit as it moves in that that river flow of the words of god and so I want to make that point, and I want you to have that indelibly impressed within your mind. So here we have, in the, in the 26th verse of the first chapter, the name of the angel that was sent to minister to Mary and to minister <coughs> this thing about the birth of Jesus Christ. Then we have, uh, in the second chapter, which really is all part of the first, first chapter, and uh, and it is um, at this point that Joseph uh, uh, went up from Galilee to the city of Nazareth, under Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And... Um, uh, then, in the seventh verse of the second chapter, she brings forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes. And in the eighth verse, there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flocks. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. Now, this is this is important because it has 
the article, the. And so this contextually is referring to the angel that is first introduced as being involved in this ministry of telling Mary she's going to have this divine child and following through with it in the revelation of this birth of Christ. And so we're talking Gabriel here. Now, in the ninth verse, it says an amazing thing. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And it's talking about what I read to you in the eighth verse, the, the shepherds in the country, uh, in their field, keeping watch over their flock at night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were sore afraid. They ran into Shekinah glory, the presence of God in this, this aura. And they could see it because you can literally see, uh, you know, uh, the uh, Shekinah glory. We've had it come into um, uh, places we've been ministering in as a church. We've had it come into our home. <coughs> it's an awesome and beautiful experience. And um, this happened to, the, to these. And the angel, this same angel that we're talking about called Gabriel, said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be the sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now verse 13, I want you to get a hold on to this. And suddenly there was with the angel, we're talking Gabriel here, a multitude. Suddenly there was with. And what that means is suddenly people could see, the shepherds could see. When they first saw the angels, it was sort of like back in the days of Moses and the pursuing uh, um, uh, soldiers of Pharaoh. And when they were separated by these, these angels that on the one side appeared as a cloud of light and on the opposite side where the Pharaoh's forces were <coughs> appeared as a, as a deep darkness. <coughs> and so all the time they appeared as a light, they were actually... They were actually had entity form. Uh, you know, they weren't just like a, you know, just like a filtered light. They had entity form, but they were able to, to uh, create this, this effect of differentiation. And so suddenly the shepherds were able to see. And when their eyes were opened, they saw in the 13th verse it describes that angel Gabriel, and a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. This is an incredible event. This is the birth of Jesus Christ. Oh, it just, oh, it just makes me almost shiver. 
when I think of the beauty of it. But here, Gabriel, who is the archangel of the cherubim, has brought a multitude of his angels down to earth and made them visible unto the shepherds. And there is no question about it because the terminology is that they, the angels are a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, it's not talking about stars, it's not talking about nations, it's talking about angels which go by the name host and hosts. So the Lord of the host is an archangel. And in this case, it was Gabriel who is an archangel. Now, I think I shared with you last time about how someone said that Michael and Jesus Christ were the same, and I said, no, they're not. And I showed that Michael was an archangel, and someone said, no, it doesn't say that anywhere. I said, yes, it does. And then I revealed how that, um, you know, that uh, the scriptures, and I'll try to touch on that a little bit. But this thing about angels, ladies and gentlemen, if your church doesn't want to talk about angels, that's sad. And that's empty. And that's a cousin to the void, the void. Because angels are from the beginning of the Bible, the very beginning of the Bible, to the very end of the Bible. And they're a massive representation. Now, we remember the prophet. And the Syrians sent uh, an army over there to, uh, to, to rout him out. Because he had been making these prophecies, and uh, they decided you know, to get a hold of him. Well, when the, the second-in-command to the prophet saw the army, I think it was the Syrians, if I'm remembering correctly, he went running to the prophet and says, Oh, my God, my, 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 my father, my... Oh, I'm, I'm so worried, I'm so afraid. The prophet said, What is the problem, son? He says, There's a whole army out there. And he says, And I know that they have come for you. And they are surrounding our property. And the prophet said, well, what are you, what are you worried about? The, the angels of God, the armies of God, are, have far outnumbered them. And he opened the eyes of his servant, opened the eyes of the Syrians, and they saw this incredible, vast, vast army of the angels of God which made their little operation look like ant parole ant patrol and ladies and gentlemen don't short sight the importance of the revelation of angels. That's why you want to be sure you do not miss these teachings. 
You want to be sure that you do not miss out on the insights that are going to be revealed. Because they are going to be awesome. So it is not, it's not minor. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to jump into something here that's going to just almost blow some of you away. But it is Bible, and it is real. So if you will turn to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 8. I want to share something with you that is so beautiful and so cooperates the things that I have already started teaching you this, this morning. They are truly transcendental. They are truly part of that seal that God is wanting to unlock within you that is in your molecules, your, your chromosomes. They are part of that kingdom of God within you. Turn to Ezekiel chapter 8 and let's look at verse 3. Well, I think we should maybe start with verse 2. Then I, uh, I beheld, and lo, a likeness as the appearance of fire, from the appearance of his loins, even downwards, fire from his loins, even upward, as the appearance of brightness, as the color of amber. This happened while he was, it was in the sixth year and the sixth month, and on the fifth day of the month, verse 1 of eight, chapter 8 says, as he sat in his house, and the elders of Judah set before me, that the hand of the Lord fell there upon me, the hand, <laughs> a seal into the hand of every man. A seal into the hand of every man. The hand of God fell upon me. It's another way of saying that there was an action of the revelation of this seal. Wow. And he put forth the form of a hand and took me by a lock of mine of my head, and the Spirit lifted me up between the earth and the heaven, and brought me in visions to in visions of God to Jerusalem, to the door of the inner gate that looketh toward the north, where was the seat of the image of jealousy which provoked to jealousy. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel was there according to the vision which I saw. Now, let's go back. And this, is, this is really going to open a door. Verse 3. He put forth the form of a hand and took me by the lock of my hand. Now, 
Does that sound a little bit barbarous? When you see an ape man being depicted as having a hold of the hairs of a woman and dragging her, moving her by brutal force into the cave or wherever he's taking her, it does look a little barbarous, doesn't it? And for something to come down as he's sitting calmly in his house before these elders and get hold of a lock of his hair on his head and begin to pull him up between earth and heaven. Oh, there's something much deeper here. There is something much, much, much deeper. And I want to share it with you today. You see, we need to know what this is. This hairlock of his head. What was this hairlock of his head that he was lifted up by between the earth, between heaven and the earth? Well, if you make a note and get a chance to look in the Strong's Concordance of the Hebrew Dictionary, number 6734, that is the reference that it gives when you look up this thing with the hairlock. It gives this, and it is spelled T-S-I-Y-T-S-I-T-H. Sazith. Now, interestingly, I have been doing these teachings on the Zith. Z-Z. I-T-H, if we're using American English. Or Z-Z, if we're using Canadian-British English. Z-Z-I-T-H, or Z-Z-I-T-H. Zith. If you go to this Hebrew word, T-S-I-Y-T-S-I-T-H, and you... Use the T as silent, and you take the S and put it in front of the last four letters of this word, S-I-T-H. You get S-S-I-T-H. You get Tzith, 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 Tzith which is really the close to the pronunciation of the whole word. And then when you replace, for a transliteration, the S's to become Z's, instead of S-S-I-T-H, now remember, we had T-S-I-Y-T-S-I-T-H. We take the, the S after the T, put it in front of the last four letters, so we end up with S-S-I-T-H. You transliterate that of the S's to the Z's, and you get Zith. 
Now, this word, which is the feminine of 6731, in the Greek concordance of the dictionary, means floral, wing-like projection, a forelock of hair, fringe lock. And if you go on to like 6731, to the singular, and you notice then you're just dealing with the word T-S-I-T-S. So change the T to an S, you got S-S-I-T-S, change the, the, the S to a Z, you got Z-Z-I-T-Z, Zith. Or T-T-I-T-H, to give it that Hebrew type of gruntle deep gruntle sound. And it means glistening. It means burnished plate. So you've got something like a plate, like people used to call them flying saucers. Saucer is a plate. Flying saucers. A wing... Gleaming in the air, blossom, flower, plate, wing. And you take it a little further in the reference of the roots to 6692. To twinkle, to flourish, to bloom, to blossom, to show self, to reveal, in this thing of showing self, to reveal the real inner self. Now, in a, a Hebrew term that is not directly associated, except by definitions, 6747, and this I find very interesting, says something advanced or deep, a bosom, a bowl. We start talking about the bosom of Abraham. The bosom of the Father, mentioned in the first book of John. And we're talking about two different places. We're talking about the Abrahamic uh, followers and the Melchizedek followers. The one is the bosom of Abraham, the other is the bosom of the Father. We're getting into some deep stuff. And then we're also beginning to understand that this hairlock of the head had to do something with bringing... Ezekiel into this deep state of the vision which he was hung between earth the physical or and heaven the spirit the spiritual and this is the fringe because that's part of the lock fringe and this is where you can come into that that place of the opening of the seal and the visions begin to pour out And in that vision, there are the revelations of the zith, which is the, the fringe lock and the fringe unlock. Wow. And hair representing people, souls, 
the fringe lock. And that's the real meaning that the, that, that the, of the word hair lock of his head means in the Hebrew. Ezekiel 8, number 6734, number 6731, and 6692. Wow! 6692, call it the twinkle in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. This transition. This moving from the earth, the physical, to this place between the physical and the heaven, the spiritual, into this area of the fringe portal. So that you, like the spirit, is, is that is able to abide being more like antibiotic into the physical, which normally it should just explode. But being able to have the capability to be into that fringe. Now, we can take this a little further. When we talk about that 6692, that Hebrew is T-S-U-W-T-S and is pronunciated T-S-O-O-T-S. Now, when we put this into the transliteration into English, the T becomes silent and the S turns into a, a, a Z or a Z. We then have Z or Z, zero, zero, or we should say O, pardon me, Z or, zero, or Z, Z-O-O-T-S or T, Zoot. And there is the other name of the spacecraft used by the cherubim, the seraphim, and the Arturgians. You've got the Ziths, and you've got the Zoots. And they're all connected to this hairlock of the head, Revelation, and these visions that Ezekiel was seen in this incredible glory as he was suspended in this state between the physiology and the spirituality and the opening then between a matter and an antimatter like the very thing of the atom the proton, the electron, and the neutron in the middle. This neutron place where you're in between the positive and the elect and the and the the positive and the negative. 
And you're able to balance the two so that the one does not destroy the other. Utterly incredible. Well, I've described something that is like the energy dots. But at the same time, in its, in its expanded sense, it ties into the Siths and the Zoots. Why? Well, in, a, in the Holy Manifest, in the book called The Father's House, which is about the Arturian Revelation, it says in there that the best minds were the engines. Now, in the Arturian language, they don't use the term pilot, they use the word engine. Because the best minds operate those spacecraft and move that incredible computer system that's not even called a computer system. And so, again, then we have the mind that is connected in this fringe lock. And that when you're able to break through the seal that's in every person, you can get into these visions of the mind between the physical and the spirit. And your mind can be opened, not only to have the clarity and the inspiration and the insights of the all of the all, but to then expand that so that one part becomes a part of another part. And the part of that part which is a part of that part becomes a part of that part which is that which was, that which is, and that which is to be. And the next thing you know, you have the physical bodies that the angels even have to use in their conveyance to the physical creations. And a means of moving those physical bodies, which the Bible is full of the story. It cannot be denied to anybody with a true heart and a true mind. And I'm going to be opening a lot of these things along with all these incredible revelations on angels. Allow Ezekiel 8.3 to live in you. Allow this energy dot revelation of the everlasting gospel. These revelations that were given way, way back in time in books like Ecclesiastes. And people didn't understand what those meanings were. They didn't understand. In the 12th chapter of Ecclesiastes, when it said, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Remember now your Creator, while the sun and the light of the moon, or the stars be not, or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. And skipping down, and the doors be shut in the streets, And skipping on, on over, 
Verse 6, or ever the silver cord, or ever the silver cord. What is this about? This is something about inside the human being. Or ever the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken. What? Or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit return unto God who gave it. What is this about? <coughs> it's part of the Sith revelation. The burnished plate. The, the, the blossom. The flower. 6747, something advanced or deep. Bosom, a bowl. <laughs> a bowl? Yeah. The golden bowl. It's all a story there about the seals that are within the human being. This light that every human being receives at birth called the kingdom of God within. The kingdom of God is within you. And God has sent a spirit of manifesting to bring you into the wonderful light of God's reality. Praise be the name of the living God. Now, there's so much I want to get into, but I'm already running out of time. But I'm going to share something with you that's futuristically here in the, just the next few weeks. I plan to take you on a journey like no other journey you have ever been to in your life. When the angel Gabriel met with me and put a whole book into my, my brain, and I didn't even remember anything about it for, for like years later, until years later. And then it began to come. Well, there was one other thing that I received, but I have not shared it because it wasn't the time. But at that time, it was then revealed to me that God also put into my brain an energy, energy dot. And that this energy dot is something that is accessible. And that I can not only get into this energy dot, but by subaddition gnosis, I can bring a whole group of people plus into that energy dot with me as we go into these, as Ezekiel described it and Daniel described it, these visions of the world of the mind, of the fringe of time and space. And I want to take you on a journey through this universe that we live in now called the Eighth Universe. And I want to take you outside of that to the universe that was before it, which are all part of the seven spirits of God described in the book of, of Revelation, represented by the seven stars, which represent the seven universes. 
and take you through the seventh universe and describe the angels and describe that universal world and then to the sixth and the fifth and the fourth and the third and the second and the first and describing all of these angels and all of these creations and then go to the alpha to the outer alpha ages and then to the inner alpha ages and finally to the very fringe right to outside the very fringe of the always where God before there was ever a first angel created in the exterior lived in the always in the world of his mind and created angels of his presence until one day there was a spark lit and that spark decided to go outside the world of his mind so that he might be the creator, as the book says in Jeremiah, of both the potential of good and the potential of evil. So that the entities that he wanted to bring forth would not be entities that were in a state of constant periation and they could not ever deviate from it. They were that way from birth and that way of the always. But they had the option of free moral agency. And they could choose God or not choose God. Thus, the beginning of the creations of the inner Alpha Ages, then the outer Alpha Ages, and then the seven previous universes to this universe, which is the eighth universe. I want to take you on that journey. And you will never be the same. I'm not sure if it'll be next week or the week after, but it'll be soon. And there's so much to share. Your prayers will be appreciated. And in those prayers, I humbly ask that you will pray for our finances. Because there are things that I need for the dynamics of this journey that requires certain kinds of electronic equipment, but it will it will make the whole trip incredibly sensational. And I'm not asking anybody to do anything but pray that God will help us with these finances because the help that we do get from the people of the the followers and listeners is very limited, but very appreciative and we thank them very much. But pray because I am trying to take you somewhere where very few people could even imagine to go. But in this world today, it takes certain things to make your electronic transmissions and to get the effect that you need. Oh, God bless you. And God cause his face to shine upon you. Goodbye until next week.